Hey, church, it's so great to be able to share some thoughts with you again this week. But before I do that, I just want to highlight what an awesome production team we have and what an awesome worship team we have. They have worked so hard now for, I think it's about 14 months since we met in person. So if you're on the chat box, if you're on YouTube, just say a great big thank you to the team for serving us so well. They're amazing. And, you know, lives have been transformed because of it. So uh, just thank you so much, guys. But I want to carry on with this um, thought process we've been talking about recently, which we've called I believe dot, 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 so I dot, dot. And it's that whole idea that when you believe something in your heart and it turns into a conviction, it actually impacts how you live, how you think, how you speak, what you're going to do. I believe this, therefore, or so I do this. And so today I want to give you the title, I believe it's not all about me, so I make it about others. And I want to unpack that a little bit. I know when I give the title, people start thinking already, I hope you can start unpacking it in your own world right now. But in a world where when push comes to shove, most people make it about themselves. Most people make the most important thing themselves on the whole. But heaven brings a different philosophy. Heaven turns everything upside down. According to Jesus, God's word, Christian beliefs, it is better and life is more exciting when you make it about others. Life explodes in all kinds of ways when you make other people important. I love that Jesus makes things so simple. Sometimes I like, you know, I'm quite a simple man and I like it simple. Let's not complicate it. And Jesus said, you know, when asked what's the most important command, he said, love God and love people. I get that. I hope you can. That's simple. And the reality is this, is as you get closer to God, as you love God, as you build a relationship with him, as you share your life with him, as you invite him into your life, you start to feel his heartbeat. And his heartbeat is for people. God so loved the world that he sent his son. He loves people. And so when you invite him into your world and you love him and learn to love him and feel his heartbeat, you love people. And because you love people, you start making people important to you. It shifts something and it allows heaven to flow. I love the fact that when you apply heaven's principles to your life, everyone wins. You win by inviting God into the middle of it and getting the weight of heaven behind your life. Other people around you win because you get your weight behind them. They are blessed. Everyone is blessed when we live out heaven's principles. What about Jonah? You're probably familiar with some of the story of Jonah, Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the fish. And the reality is this, that God has spoken to Jonah. He said, I want you to go and speak to the people of Nineveh. And I want you to tell them to repent, to stop living how they're living. They've forgotten me. They've pushed me aside. They've started doing things their own way. And I want you to reach out to them. Jonah was not happy about this. And to be fair to Jonah, I don't think I'd have been happy about this. Maybe you wouldn't have been happy about this. Because when you research the people of Nineveh, they were a very brutal bunch of people. Without getting to 18 certificate, they were able, they had perfected the art of skinning people alive. Keeping them alive while removing their skin. And then they would hang the skin and the body next to each other at the entrances to their cities. So that when people saw that, it would put fear in them and they could control them better. These were the kind of people that God was saying to Jonah, go and speak to them. They were brutal. And Jonah wasn't happy about it. So we know what Jonah did. He ran away. He got on a boat. There was a great big storm. He ends up in the water and in the fish. The fish spits Jonah out. And Jonah says, okay, God, you've got my attention. I will do it. And he goes to the people of Nineveh. Imagine even having to face that. 
to go and tell them a, a message they're probably not going to want to hear. But he did. And he goes and he speaks to them. He says, you need to turn back to God. And you know what they did? They repented. They, they turned back to God. And it's brilliant in Jonah chapter 4. And this is where I think you see the heartbeat of God. Jonah says, I knew you'd have compassion on them. I knew. I just knew it. You know, and it's just like, well, that's the heart of the Father. He's asking us to get a heart for people. And he even has a heart for the people that we find it hard to have a heart for. And the people repented and Jonah had the hump, but he got to feel the heartbeat of the Father. The heartbeat of the Father is for humanity. It's about making it about someone else. We see God's love for others is greater than our love for others. So as we get closer to God, the, the deal is that we get a greater love for others. You know, when you even look at the Ten Commandments, do you know the final six out of the Ten Commandments are about how you treat other people? You know, honor your parents. That's how you treat them. You know, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. It's how you treat people. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't, don't cover other people's possessions. They're all about how you treat others. So even six out of the Ten Commands on how to live life well are about how you treat other people. There's this theme all the way through the word about you treating other people well, and it reflects the heartbeat of the Father. Probably the ultimate verse on this is here in John chapter 15 and verse 13, and it says this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's the ultimate. Totally giving up what's important to you to make what's important to someone else more important. I will lay my, down my desires, my hopes, my dreams, my life to promote yours. Greater love has no one than this. And Jesus demonstrated it himself, didn't he? He literally laid down his life for me. He laid down his life for you to lift us up and position us in relationship with the Father so we can flourish in life and have hope for eternity. You see, can you see the biblical picture of making it about others? I believe it's not all about me. So I make it about others. It's a great thought process. You know, servanthood is ultimately about making someone else's life better. You know, when you think of a servant, they are paid probably to serve you, to make your experience of whatever the situation is better. They are there to serve you. They are making it about you. And so in a world probably when we use the word servant, it's kind of a negative. It talks of someone who you would consider low, probably low paid, probably down the chain. There's a negative sense about this idea of, of servant, but not with Jesus. You know, in a world that is looking for recognition and power and a name, Jesus said something very, very different. Look at this. This is Jesus speaking in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. For even the Son of Man, that's how Jesus referred to himself sometimes. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This was the highlight for Jesus. This is what it was about. I'm going to lay down my life to lift you up. I'm going to serve you. I'm not expecting you to serve me. Can you see the heartbeat behind this? It's about other people. I remember, you know, when you read that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Now, for us, you know, I don't know if you're a feet person. Feet aren't the best, are they? We laugh in our household about, you know, Josh gets his feet out and puts them in Evie's face, and she's like, oh, it's disgusting. You know, feet aren't the best. I know that Sarah Jane O'Sullivan, who's an awesome part of our church, she's a chiropodist. She deals with feet. She must have seen all kinds of feet. Feet aren't good. 
But back then, it was even worse because they didn't have the hygiene and the cleaning facilities that we have today. They would be walking around in dirt all day. It was not a nice job. It was the lowest of jobs. But Jesus got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. And actually, they were a little bit embarrassed by it. And they started saying, you shouldn't be doing this for us. And then classic Peter, we know Peter is so extravagant about everything. He started saying, well, if you're going to wash my feet, wash all of me then. Typical over-the-top Peter. We love him for it. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. He was doing two things. He said, I'm demonstrating here to you what servanthood looks like. Nothing is beneath me. I, could, I will do anything to make your life better because it shows the heart of a servant. It shows the heart of heaven that I love you enough to lay my life down to lift your life up. It's the heartbeat of heaven. Everyone wins. The other thing he was demonstrating is that when we come together, we should wash ourselves, not literally, but in spiritual terms. The feet are the part that touch the earth. And whether we like it or not, we live in a world and stuff happens and things get said and stuff sticks to you like it would stick to the feet. And what Jesus was demonstrating is when we get together, let's wash off what's stuck to us and get ourselves positioned at oneness with the Father again. Just a great picture that Jesus brings there all around this idea of servanthood. You know, you remember when Mary came in and it was nearing the time where Jesus was going to go and be crucified and she poured a very expensive bottle of perfume on his head and over his feet and washed it with her hair. And do you know that perfume would have cost a year's wages? I don't know what the average salary is today. I don't know. Let's call it 25,000 pounds. That would have cost 25,000 pounds today's money. And she poured it on his head. And the disciples were like, no, what are you doing? What a waste. We could have given it to the poor and all these kind of things. And Jesus said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you know how he described it? He said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Because he could sense how she was making it about him. She had picked up this idea of serving someone, putting someone else above themselves. She was anointing him. She was actually preparing him for the future. It was almost a prophetic symbol. But he said everyone else was decrying it and telling her off. And Jesus said, no, that's a beautiful thing she's done for me because she felt the heart of a servant. And servanthood can cost Servanthood often costs you something. It can cost you time, energy, effort. It can cost your ego. It can cost you money. But Jesus says, when you live like that, it's a beautiful thing and you're doing it to me. Because whatever you do to the least of me, these, you do to me. So when you're serving someone, you're doing it unto Jesus. And he says, wow, that's a beautiful thing. I remember when I reflect on my life that there was a time some years ago uh, when I just ran a small group in my house, and it was a time when there was a lot of people who weren't, hadn't settled in churches yet, and I thought, I want to get these people together and bless them and, and keep them on the right tracks. And one of the young people lived um, out in Manningtree, and it was, I don't know, 20, 25-minute journey to, to go and, and, and pick this person up. And do you know what? I, I went and picked this person up and drove back. 50 minutes, maybe an hour in the car. We had our meeting, and I drove them back again, and back to mine. So it was two hours worth of driving every week just so one person could be in the room. But you know what? I did it. And I didn't think of it at the time. For me, that was just perfectly normal. I just wanted to bless them. I just wanted to be in the room. But now I look back on it, two hours driving just to get someone in a room. Would you do that? But I did it, and I didn't question it. It was just in my heart to serve. You know, and I wonder, just on my journey of, of becoming a, a senior leader in a church, where was God was looking, how would I handle that situation? 
Because to, to serve hundreds of people is the same as serving one person. The attitude has to be the same. Nothing's too much. Nothing's too much. And so I'd go and get this person. And, and ultimately, when you look at leadership, and a lot of people are, are after titles and want to have position, but, but senior leader ultimately means senior servant. So if you want a high position, are you willing to serve? Because that is the criteria that Jesus looks for. It's what he demonstrated. You have to make it not about you and actually about everyone else. So in our church life, we create all kinds of opportunities to serve. Serve on teams, serve children, serve tea and coffee, serving hosting, serve on, on the worship team, serve in the car park. There's all kinds of places where you can serve. And what you're doing is, is saying, I want to play my part in making someone else's experience of church better. And I'm going to lay down my privileges, my time, my energy, my effort to make someone else's experience better. And Jesus says, that's a beautiful thing you're doing. And you're doing it as if you're doing it to me. So God bless your servant heart attitude. And maybe today you're feeling prompted to say, come, maybe you could up your game in your servanthood. Come and let me stir you. It's a great thing and a beautiful thing when you make it about others. So, so good. Let's, um, let's throw some faith into the equation. Let me read you this uh, passage from Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 3 through, through 5 and then jump to, to verse 12. But Jesus has come to town, and he's teaching, and he's famous, and lots of people want to come and see him. It's busy. So they're in this house, and it's busy. That's the backdrop. Mark chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, and then chapter, and verse 12. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they make it, made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And jumping down to verse 12, he got up, took his mat, and walked out in, in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. So I want to unpack this through the eyes of making it about someone else. I want to unpack this through the eyes of servanthood. The friends cared so much for their mate that they went out of their way to get him in front of Jesus. There was obstacles in the way. There was a crowd. What are we going to do? Now, if your servant heart and your passion and your faith isn't enough, at that point you give up. There's too many people here. But they didn't. They cared too much. They pushed through. How are we going to get him there? They dug through someone's roof. Now, that's probably not cool, but they cared so much. And as the man's being lowered down by his friends... Jesus, it says Jesus saw their faith. And what he means by that is he knew the reason they were doing that is because they believed in their heart that Jesus could heal him. And he recognized that as faith. So in this picture, you have the friends who are going out of their way to make it about the other person. You have then got their faith and their willingness to do what it takes to get them in front of Jesus and to believe he can do it. And Jesus sees it and all of this picture that's in front of him. And he heals him, and people praise God. And I love this. You see, the world was changed for that man because of the picture that's created. The friends made it about him. The friends had faith. The friends were willing to push beyond obstacles and do whatever it took to get him there. And Jesus blessed it. You see, making it about others positions us for the miracles of heaven. 
and it's just a reality. So I guess our challenge in today's world is, who do we make it most about? In your world, is it mainly about you or is it mainly about others? And I want to get you thinking about what that looks like for you personally because there is something so special when you start making others more important. It reflects Jesus and it reflects Jesus back to Jesus from you. And that's the ultimate worship. Do you know what? I believe in, if you look at that picture, that the friends would have been equally as chuffed and excited and, and as blessed as the man who got up because they would have known I played my part in that. And again, for today, you know, as you serve someone else and you see their life blessed, you're blessed too because you know I played my part in that. I made a sacrifice. I went out of my way. I did what it took. Whatever it might be, I gave some money. I drove them somewhere. I gave up my seat. I don't know what you might do for someone to make it about them. But as you see them walking out a blessed life, you can just feel that glow inside that I played my part. They win. You win. God wins. Everyone wins when we make it about someone else and we apply the principles of heaven. I love this here in, in Romans 12. There's a list of seven gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. You'll find the gifts of the Spirit in three places in the Bible. You'll find them in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And there's nine gifts there that we often refer to as the power gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then there's this passage here which I'm about to read to you in, in Romans 12. And there's seven gifts there which are often called the, the purpose gifts or ministry gifts. And then in Ephesians 4, you find the fivefold ministry gifts, which are the people gifts. And let me read this to you here in Romans 12, because I think it will open some people's eyes. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I love that. You see, when you look at that, that so opens up that we all can carry different gifts in different ways, and they're unusual. They're not always the things you think. You know, serving is an empowered gift by the Holy Spirit. And when you get the Holy Spirit involved, what the Holy Spirit does is it allows you to go beyond what is humanly possible. There are things we can do in our own strength, but we don't need the Holy Spirit to help. You know, there are things we can just do. But when we say, Holy Spirit, come and just empower me, we can go beyond ourselves. What does a servant look like empowered by the Holy Spirit? You see, some people, you see them serving and serving and serving in different environments. And you're like, wow, you're such an inspiration. And they're like, it's no hassle to me. Do you know why? Because the Holy Spirit is strengthening them. And they're able to go beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. And they can do it with a smile on their face. And it's a joy to them. I like to feel like the, the Holy Spirit adds the spice to our walk. He adds the oomph. He adds the hot sauce, if you like. You know, Christianity, if you just believe in Jesus and you walk out a good life, God bless you. But if you invite the Holy Spirit in, suddenly there's all kinds of opportunities explode in front of us. And these are some of them. Serving is an empowered gift. Making it about someone else, the Holy Spirit can get his weight behind you and just give you a joy and ability to go beyond what other people see as reasonable. That's because you've got a gift of serving on your life. And God bless you for that. But that's not the one I want to home in on here. The one I want to home in on here is the gift of mercy. Did you see it there? If it is to show mercy, if your gift is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 
So I, I, I kind of got thinking about this, and I went to the dictionary, and here is one of the um, definitions of, of mercy from the dictionary. It says, mercy is the compassionate treatment of those in distress. The compassionate treatment of those in distress. Wow, what a gift to have on your life, that when you see people struggling, you are almost compelled by the Spirit to step in and bring some compassion and some release to their situation. That is making it about someone else. You see, mercy has to be about someone else. So we're building a fuller picture. There's this faith element. There's this willingness in your heart to, to lay down your life. There's this servanthood. And now there's this gift of mercy to step into difficult situations and give yourself to make their experience better. I love this here in, in Luke uh, chapter 18 and verses 35 through 43. Listen to this story. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what's happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David. Watch this. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way um, rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Can you see it there? Jesus, have mercy. And you see, Jesus holds the full complement of the Holy Spirit gifts. He's got them all. He is them personified. And so when a man who's in a difficult situation cries out for mercy, mercy can't walk past. Mercy has to have compassion. And it's a spirit-empowered gift that when Jesus stepped in, the spirit enabled him to bring healing to the situation. And look what happens. The man is praising God. The people who witness it are praising God. Jesus is praising God. Everyone wins when we walk with the spirit and make it about someone else. I love this. An empowered gift of mercy. It makes it impossible to walk past a situation, to walk past a person, to see something and leave it. Because the Holy Spirit empowers you to step in and bring some relief to a situation. When mercy gets ignited, someone else's life gets better. Come on, what a great cry in your heart. Lord, let me be someone who carries mercy. Because I want to make someone else's life experience better. It's a life-changing gift. I love it when we keep things simple. I, I said it earlier, and it's just my truth. And I love the simplicity of this passage in Micah. This is Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. It says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Do you know what? We can all do that. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. You know, so often I think we complicate stuff. So often we're so what I call try-hard people. When the simplicity of this truth is just like, wow, if I can do that, God will bless it and get his weight behind it. You know, God will totally look out for you. 
You know, sometimes I think, oh, if I concentrate on everyone else all the time, what about me? But God always says, doesn't he, I will work things for good for those who love me. I will cause you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. God will look out for you. You know, he'll be there in the difficult times. He'll celebrate with you in the good times. He is committed to you. And because of that knowledge, our faith can be that God's got me, so I'm going to focus on someone else. And Lord, just let this mercy rise up in me. Just let me to walk humbly with you. Don't let me get above my station. I want to live as a servant and lift others up. And as I lift others up, I know you are going to lift me up. And everybody wins. It's so brilliant and yet so, so simple. In our church life, we have uh, uh, some mercy, mercy ministries. We actually call it hope ministries. Because the reality is when you put mercy into practice, it releases hope. And so we have an arm of the church, if you like, that we call hope ministries. And I just want to unpack a few of them for you because I know there's lots of new people in church and you might be interested in, in knowing what we do. And for those of you who have been church for a long time, it's always helpful to remind yourself of by being part of this church, you are showing mercy to people because it's part of who we are and what we do. We serve a group called IJM, International Justice Mission. And, and what they do is they send lawyers in to places where the law isn't upheld and they set people free from trafficking and sex trafficking, human trafficking and, and forced labor and the like. And there's so much of it on the world. I believe there's 30 million plus people in, in, in trafficking situations right now all over the world. It's a horrendous situation. But IJM go in there and they, through the law, work it out to set people free and then they prosecute the perpetrators. It genuinely works. And we as a church have made a difference in so many lives. We may never meet these people. I'd love it if, if God can enable us one day to meet someone that we've helped. That would be awesome. To feel like, wow, we can feel their heartbeat. We can sense the pain they've been through, but we can sense their healing. And we can sense their freedom. And we played our part in that. And we will celebrate with them. But it's happening. It's mercy on display. We send money, we pray, we get, we get newsletters back. And my encouragement to you is get in and around the hope ministries, ask questions, find out what's going on, because we are making someone else's world better. It's the servant heart in our church, it's the faith that we can bring change, and it's the mercy that brings and releases hope. And it's all part of our church life. We serve uh, compassion. We have two compassion children that that are in very difficult situations, um, a girl called Mihire and a lad called Jose. And, and, and we, we send money and we pay, you know, a big chunk of their living costs. Why? Because we can and because we have a desire of mercy to make someone else's life better. Those two young people will grow up with a better situation because of you and me. How cool is that? That all by itself is just fantastic. And it's happening in our church life. We... Um, when we receive our tithes, and, and so many great tithers and givers, givers in our church, we tithe the money we get. And we tithe that to, to IJM, and we also give some, give some of that tithe to CAP, Christians Against Poverty. There are lots of people in our town in Colchester who are really struggling, struggling even to put food on the table and meet the bills, let alone clothe their families and stuff. They're really up against it. But we get behind CAP. And, and they go in and they serve these families and, and they help them to, to budget and manage money and help them to get debts written off and these things. And they put these people and they help them to stand up again to live a better life. And it's not just, you know, waving in the wind. They have a strategy and they move in and they change lives for the better. And we're part of that. 
We help to fund it in our own way. We, we contribute. It's mercy on display. It's making it about someone else. So God bless you. Just by being part of this church and giving to this church, you are making someone else's life better. We also give to Joseph's Storehouse. And Joseph's Storehouse ultimately is, is a food bank in Israel. You know, God has a huge heart for the Israeli people. It says, those who bless Jerusalem, I will bless. And so therefore, we felt like we want to support a charity in Israel. And so we do that. Joseph's Storehouse, you do your research and have a look. They do a great thing. There are people who are fed in Israel just because you give to this church. It's mercy on display. And we also support um, Stephen Lawrence Trust. And Stephen Lawrence, um, you may well know his story. He was a guy who was, who was murdered, stabbed to death um, in, a, in a racially motivated incident many years ago. Very, very sad situation. But there's been a trust set up in his name. And the trust is to really help marginalized people get a leg, leg, a leg up on the ladder. They get training, they get education where they might not be able to afford education. The, the trust enables them to step up. And so people who are struggling on the fringes of society are actually thrust into the middle and given a chance. It's mercy on display. It's saying we care about you to make your life better. And we're prepared to put some money behind that. So every time you give to the church, 10% of the money you give goes to these places. And we're making a difference to someone else. It's mercy. Our heart, our church carries a heart of mercy, and it's willing to put our weight behind it. So God bless you for all you're doing in all of those things. But in all of this, the goal is for you to look at you. You know, as I've unpacked a whole bunch of stuff there, where do you sit in it? Do you make it about others? Do you have, carry a servant heart? Are you willing to go beyond to make someone else's world, uh, world better? You know, are you, are you a person of faith to say, you know, as I step out, I believe God's going to back me and it's going to change the situation in, in miraculous ways. Are you generous with it? You know, we need to carry this heart of mercy. I believe we have it. And I want to stir it up all over again. We know that this year our, our key phrase is influencers. And the more you look at it, the more you see that the influence of heaven is, is worked out in a completely upside down way to the earth. You know, it's not about domination or it's not about pushing down and it's not about dictating, but it's about loving and it's about serving and it's about mercy and it's about faith and it's about all these things coming together and then kind of working themselves out with gentleness, which actually brings blessing and hope to, to other people. And I love the way God's developing this theme within us. And I hope you're grasping it and I hope you're challenging yourself to play your part as an individual in the big picture of us as a church. Because if we can all look at it and say, Lord, help me to carry mercy. Help me to carry the heart of a servant. Help me and ignite my faith. Help me to be gentle. Help me to be humble. Help me to grasp these things so I can reflect you better to a world that needs you. You know, I want to pray for you now. Uh, my hope is, and you're probably sat in your front room or watching on your laptop, or I don't know where you're at watching this online, but I hope you'll just pause and take this moment seriously and ask the Father to touch your heart. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you develop in each of us the heart of a servant. I pray that you take, to, take us to new levels, that we'd even look out for opportunities where we could serve someone else. We could serve an individual, we could serve a, a ministry, we could serve a group. 
Give us opportunities to develop that servant heart, Father God. And Lord, I pray that we could develop that whatever it takes mentality, that I'm prepared to go and invest myself into something that will bless someone else. Lord, I want to ask that you'd water the heart of mercy that exists in our church, that you would empower that gift we have, that we could step in and make someone else's world better, that we couldn't look at difficult situations and people that are struggling and just walk past, that we want to step, step out and play our part in putting them back on their feet. Thank you, Lord God, that all things are possible with you. So stir our faith, Lord God. Help us to stop the attitude of what could little old me do and start stepping in and saying, what could I do with the heart of the Father beating inside of me? Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you back us. So stir your church. Be stirred, church, in Jesus' name. Be stirred. Develop that heart of a servant. Develop that heart of mercy. Train yourself to make it about someone else with full confidence that God will make it about you. So be blessed in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, you know how we do things here. Every week, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. You know, do you know Jesus? Are you walking with Jesus? Did you once know Jesus and drift away? There is no better way to live than with Jesus in the center of your world. And do you know what it takes? It just takes a yes in your heart to say, I believe in you, Jesus, and you're welcome here. And then he is committed to walking out life with you teaching you to do better, to live better, to experience things better, to be kinder, to be gentler, to increase your faith. It's the best way to live. So if you're someone today who's sitting at home or watching this, wherever you might be watching it, I want to encourage you. Is today the day that you put your life right with Jesus and invite him into the middle of it? And I promise you, if you do that, it'll be the best decision you ever make. I'm going to pray. All you need is an amen in your heart. Father God, I want to thank you that you love me. I want to thank you for Jesus. I want to thank you that he laid his life down to lift mine up. And I accept his sacrifice today. And I say, Jesus, you are welcome here. Come and live in my heart. I turn away from the things that I've done that have separated me and you. And I look to you to lead me forward now. Thank you that you love me. And all those people said, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer or if you put your life right with Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. We want to walk this out together. We're not called to do this life on our own. We're called to do it together. So God bless you. Celebrating with you. Have an awesome week. And I'm going to hand you back to our brilliant worship team. God bless you.